prospect, follow up, work on skills, have daily schedule and be consistent in all those things. Um, and when someone's not having success, I, and success, I, by success, I don't mean you can't decide if you sell a house this week, but if, if you look at, you know, a trailing six months and if someone's finding success, if they're not, there is no way that they are doing these five things. Like I, I just know that's the fact of the matter. Real estate rock stars, welcome back. I am Shelby Johnson and I'm here today with Lars Anderson. And this episode is for you if you are curious about the five things that you should be doing to find success as a realtor. We're gonna go deep on that. And some more about Lars. He is from Twin Cities, Minnesota. He's been an agent for five years and is one of three of the team leads for Team Steady, which I'm so curious to get into that in a little <laughs> bit. They have 15 agents in their organization. Lars, as an, an, as an agent by himself, closes 100 transactions a year and 40 million annually. And then as an organization, they close, they're on track to close about 450 transactions this year. So those are really big numbers. Lars, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. And let's, let's go back. Like, why real estate? Who are you? Some context, please, sir. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be here. So thank you. A um, little bit about me. So let's see. Three things about me I that I think you should know. I am a married man. I have two. I, I married my high school sweetheart. Um, I have two kids that I love. Cruz, who's two, my, our little boy, and then uh, Josie, who is one. And then we, we just found out last week we got a, a third um, a boy on the way. So so that's love being, love being a husband, you know, above all else, and then and then a dad, and and there's nothing better than that. Number two, I am a follower of Jesus, so I find my identity, whether business is good or not good, in being a follower of Jesus. So my faith is really important to me, and that gives me freedom to run after things that excite me. Um, so that's number two, and then number three is like a lot of people, I love growth, so I love just feeling like I'm growing. Sometimes I'm not the best at something, but if I'm growing and maximizing what I've been given um, and, the, and the cards I've been dealt, um, that's what's most important to me. So that really drives me to whatever my hand finds to do, do it with all my might. Um, that's kind of how I, how I run things. So um, that's a little bit about me. I got into real estate, you know, five years ago. And yes, like you said, I, I now... Uh, lead a team. So we're under the Remax results umbrella here in Minnesota. Um, there's me, a guy that started the team named Sam, and then his brother-in-law, Taylor, we're the team leads now. And there I think is 15 total realtors and then one operations manager. And then I have an executive assistant that works directly with me. So that's a little bit about our, our team and yeah, a little bit about me. That's super helpful. I love to understand kind of the structure and the setup of the team. Yeah. And curious, so you guys have, you know, three people leading, you have 15 total realtors and one ops. Do you guys also have like transaction coordinators, listing coordinators, or is it just like that one ops is a freaking machine? What does that look like behind the scenes? That one, that one, that's a good question. That one ops is a freaking machine. Um, so he's, he's, his name's Nick Martin. He's, He's awesome. He works with all of us. So he is helping with 
drafting offers, drafting listing docs, doing all the uh, kind of transaction coordinating type things. And then also we'll lead on like when we meet with a brand rep or we recently got um, ordered a bunch of, you know, uh, team gear. And so he organizes that stuff. So that's great. And then us three team leads and, and now another guy in the team all have um, assistants, executive assistants that are helping with, you know, email, um, client relations, like literally every everything. So as guys, we're big believers. And so there's a, us three team leads. We run our own business. So it's not our day-to-day -day does not look like meeting with the guys on the team and going, hey, this is what you need to do. These are your goals. The, you know, we, we do all of that stuff, um, but it's more we train guys to um, hunt, you know, to kill and to repeat sort of thing. So we give them the tools to, we're not passing out leads to our team. We give them the tools to learn how to cold call, um, to do listing presentations, work with buyers, you know, everything that it takes to be a, a, a great agent. Um, and then they're kind of just running alongside of us and we're leading the charge by actually doing the work. Um, I think it was just never in an intention of ours to, lead a team and be like, I'm going to sit back and tell my team to work hard so I can, so we can get paychecks. We're more like, Hey, let's, let's, um, train people that are super self-motivated and want to run and humble and, and want to learn. Um, but we still want to run our business and kind of lead from example too. So up to this point, that's, that's been how the team has, has looked. I'm curious, and we don't have to go this direction if yeah. you don't want to, but so it sounds like, you know, a little, a little unique take on a team because most teams are the team leader, everyone else, there's like, you know, high splits, there's a responsibility to doing whatever the team lead kind of says. And yep. it sounds like you guys are a bunch of independent operators who, like you said, run along each other and kind of have the ownership of failure or success on their own shoulders. So I'm curious how that works in regards to like the team part. Is there yeah. um, splits? Are they required to brand like you guys? What does that look like if you're comfortable? No, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm an open book. We got nothing to hide. And when guys jump on, there's we never want to feel like we're convincing someone. So we're at 15. We're at 15 people on the team. I have a belief that we could be at a hundred plus if we were looking for people um, just because of the brand that we've created in the twin cities here, it's been very organic. So the person has to be a great fit um, and has to reach out to us to join the team. Um, and then, and then that's where we, we have them join. So our splits, how we have it structured, and this wasn't always this way, but we've, we kind of like, we started running around like chickens with their head cut off, like, what are the successful people doing? How are they selling real estate? And we started doing that. And then we started going, we need to work on our business and like on our team and that sort of thing. So that kind of came, it probably wasn't exactly uh, the correct order for things. But if someone joins our team, the first 50 deals, they pay a 50-50 split to the team. Right now we actually have uh, me, Sam and Taylor um, leading the team. And then we have like a leadership team um, of five guys that have proved uh, that they they sell thirty plus homes a year. They they bought into our culture. Um, they knew know what it takes to to be a winning agent. Um, so when someone joins our team, they get paired with one of the leadership guys on our team. 
um, because they the leadership guys are now in a spot where they could actually do a lot of coaching. Um, so leadership guys on the team actually get the biggest split of that 50-50. So new agent, 50-50. Um, say, say Joe is a leadership guy. Joe would train that new agent. Joe would be the first line of defense. And then Joe actually takes, you know, just about half of that 50-50 as uh, a referral to him for the first 50 deals. And then the next 50 deals, it's a 75-25 split. And then after that, you're just seen as a quote unquote, like partner of the team where it's a 90-10 split. And that's that's where then you stick for the rest of time. Um, so there's definitely like, definitely a period where you're paying your dues. Um, but we want people on the team that are in this not to sell eight homes a year, but are more going like, how do I go faster, further, or, or how do I go further, faster? Um, so how do I get, you know, a hundred referral past clients um, or a hundred past clients that can now be referral partners as quick as possible versus how do I keep the most amount of my commission day one? Real quick, before we get back to the episode, two things I wanted to share. First, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. It really means the world to all of us. Second, we feel like we're just getting started. If you enjoy what we do here, please follow us on this app, share an episode, or give us a quick review. I promise we're working hard behind the scenes to make this show as good as possible now and into the future. Thanks guys, back to the show. 100%, there's, uh the belief that, you know, oh, I just want to jump ahead and get 90-10 right at the gate, like in a system like yours, like, oh, man, that sucks. But what they may not realize, it's, it is those reps. It is the struggle and the day and day, the work that makes you into the agent that can operate at a high level. And so people are like, oh, man, I want to skip to this. But really, you don't. Because if you were to just jump into that position, you wouldn't be prepared. You wouldn't have the your experience or knowledge to actually uh, thrive. And so it's like there's there's actually this like hidden glory in the suffering days, in the survival days, and, and as you work towards the thriving days. Yep. Yeah, 100, 1,000%. 1, so that's the... Um, it, 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 we, and we set these expectations up front. Um, I don't go out publicizing these. Like I said, we don't. Um, but people that meet with us and go, hey, what does it look like to be on the team? They more like it's got to be a good culture fit. It's got to be someone who's, um, who's in it full time because we found that when people aren't in it full time, they become, <clears throat> I'm not going after them as a person, but a little bit of a time suck. And where I'd rather have someone go, hey, how do we, how do I be a great agent? And we sit down and we do a workshop and we give them the keys to the Maserati. They, it, but they got to put it in, they got to press the gas and they got to go. Um, and if they're not willing to do those activities, then they're not a great fit for us. But like I, someone comes in and I'll, I'll tell them exactly how I have done exactly, you know, everything that I'm doing right now, all the systems, all the templates, all the, the people I'm cold calling. I just, I have a belief that um, the people that are gonna are, are really motivated and willing to kind of fight through the the mud um, are going to do that. So what? And then the people that I am transparent with um, that just aren't gonna do that. You know, they don't do that. So it's kind of like real estate. There's no secret sauce necessarily. It's you just gotta 
freaking do it. it yep. It's going <laughs> to suck. It's going to be really hard and you're going to be miserable for a while, but that's okay. It's part yeah, of the process. It is. But dude, you mentioned a couple things that I can't wait to dig into in a little bit. You mentioned mm-hmm. systems, templates, which are, that's my love language. And then you also <laughs> mentioned cold calling. I'm always curious about the marketing piece of people's business, like where are leads coming from? But first I want to talk about those five things that you know you talked about a little bit before we hit record of if someone is struggling in their business it normally comes back to these five things that they're probably not doing because that's what's required to find success as a realtor so can you hit me i'm dying to know yes absolutely so and i shared this just with our team a a few weeks ago again and it's like i can it, it real estate doesn't change so we have different social media outlets and these different things, but real estate doesn't change. So these five things I don't think will change. Number one is prospecting. Um, so that is doing, we're believers in open houses, um, cold calling. So that could be calling investors that could be calling expired listings for sale by owners. Um, it could be, you know, you're calling around listings that you or people in your office have. Um, and then just having real estate conversations. So believer that you just need to meet new people. You need to uh, be personable, ask, be interested in them. And, and they're often interesting, interested in what you do and, and stuff like that. So prospecting, number one. Um, number two is follow-up. So it doesn't help to do open houses. It doesn't help to cold call. It doesn't help to do any of those things if you're not following up like a mad man or woman. Um we just follow up until we te- until they tell us to stop. So that was something that was like, if I go back to my first deals in real estate, it came and it was like three months after follow up after I didn't hear back the first five times, um, and then I finally you know got an answer or something like that. Number three, working on skills. Um, I'm a big believer in just honing in your craft at all times. Um, so getting better and better, never feeling like you're never waking up and feeling like I, I, I have it all figured out. Um, so I, so I watch kind of each guy on our team and what level they're at. And we have some guys that could be sitting there thinking, I, I got this whole thing figured out. Um, but we just have a culture of like learning more and being humble and each day is a new day to learn something new. Um, and then have a daily schedule. Um, so I, I think, uh, when there's a lack of motivation or lack of productivity, I think it can often go back to someone's schedule. Are they actually scheduling out activities? They have it set in stone so they're not waking up and going flying by the seat of their pants and, and going by their emotions, um, but they're going by actually a strategic plan that they already had in place. And then consistency with the first four. So prospect, follow-up, work on skills, have daily schedule and be consistent in all those things. And when someone's not having success, I, and success, I, by success, I don't mean you can't decide if you sell a house this week, but if, if you look at, you know, a trailing six months and if someone's finding success, if they're not, there is no way that they are doing these five things. Like I, I just know that's the fact of the matter history would tell us. Um, and it's really not, it's super simple. And I've heard so many people on this podcast say it super simple, but super difficult. Yep. Simple does not mean easy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, Lars, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, Oh my God, this guy closes 100 deals a year. 
And he just said that a daily schedule is important. I'm curious. I'm like, yo, what does your daily schedule look like? Daily or weekly? Share what what insight into your world, Lars. Yes. So early on, it took me a couple of years to figure out that in real estate, once you start getting deals going, like fires come up nonstop all the time. Um, so I am kind of a, uh, a my morning's really important. So my wake up um, at least probably three to four times a week um, is at 520. I'm going to the gym at six. Um, working out from six to six fifteen, or six to six fifteen, fifteen minute workout, six to seven fifteen. Um, really I'm high probably, intensity. Yeah, really <laughs> high intensity. Yeah. <laughs> probably by seven thirty, seven forty, I am back home and in the sauna for twenty minutes. Um, that's a time that at least a couple times a week I do like a meditation. Otherwise, I, I listen to music or or do um, prayer of some sort. Uh, and then from eight to eight thirty, sometimes eight forty-five, it is me uh, in prayer or reading the Bible or reading a, a, a book about faith. So that's kind of my morning time. And then I get to see my, you know, getting ready, see my family and the kids. And then I'm out the door by about nine. So some people would go, "You're out the door by nine. You're." you're lazy. But at that point, I feel like I have accomplished my most important things in the day. Um, and that really gets me in the right mindset to be able to handle what life is about to throw at me. So I try not to be, I'm not perfect, obviously. Um, the, but I try not to look at my phone for, you know, a couple hours when I wake up because I don't want someone else to speak into my life you know, what my emotion should be. I'd rather determine that. And then, you know, around 8.45 or 9 is when I start to pick up um, the emails and the texts and the calls and stuff like that. And then I'm in at the office. Uh, I try to not schedule meetings in the morning. Just determine, like I used to try to meetings in the morning through the afternoon. And if I have the mornings to go to my office from 9 to call at 11.30 to just be able to connect with my assistant, to prospect, to follow up. Like if I can accomplish those things, you know, three of the five things during that time before 1130, then 1130 hits. And that's, you know, that's where I, I might do appointments in the afternoon or I've accomplished everything I need to in the afternoons or um, going home early to, to play with the kids or going on a listing appointment or something like that. We're putting out all the fires. No, exactly. The fires are like, the fires are, those things are actually a lot of times, um, I find them to be fun to put out because you're problem solving, but you can do that when you're low, lower energy in the afternoon. Cause it's a little bit, you know, you're just, but the things that are hard are prospecting sometimes and follow up cause they're just tedious or they take some courage. Um, and those things are good to knock out in the morning. Yeah, the it's funny that you said the no phone thing in the morning because it was just it was earlier this week that within my community um a member wrote like hey what's the how do you start your day right? Like what's the most important thing in your mornings? And I wrote not looking at my phone, emails or any technology for hours because I have to just like you like I have to get my mind right, ground myself, think about at least an you know, we're a little different on what we do during the morning time, yeah. but basically establish those priorities 
my priorities and not the world's screaming priorities that the minute you pick up the phone or look at your email just for a second, you're pulled and dragged in one direction or the other. And getting back to that grounded, centered place is so challenging. And that centered place is so important as an agent because of the fires, because of the chaos, and everyone needs you all the time. So very cool (laughs) that you said that. Yeah, and the, like like you said, like your morning, it, it may not always too feel like you're being super productive, but when you practice gratefulness in the morning, it like if you do that for months and months, like all of a sudden that problem comes up during the day that you used to stress over a ton, and it's like, why am I not as stressed about that? And it's because there's like the habit of gratefulness and stuff like that. So it's like it's not just for that one day. Like if you do practice gratefulness four times a week. Well, the other three days that you don't practice are also, you're going to benefit from that because you're building up that muscle, you know, in you. 100%. I went to Tom Ferry summit for the first time um, now last month. And the keynote was talking about, um, he was a happiness researcher. And this is something, I don't know if you do this or not, but it was something that I did not know. And I learned is that he was of course talking about practicing being grateful um, and gratitude. But he said that the key is in think, writing down new things every day or thinking of new things every day. Because if you write the same thing down each day that you're grateful for, you don't train your brain to be constantly searching for the positive, searching for you know the bright side. Whereas if it's new things, then it's really not even the, the gratitude. It's the, it's the habit of thinking, pulling it out of the world that you live in, the bright side. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm writing it down. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. Dude, I thought so too. I was like, wow, man. Okay. But back to you. Okay. I, (laughs) (laughs) I love your routine. It makes so much sense to me. Um, can we talk a little bit about how you do your prospecting? Yes. So right now it's a little, So when I started, it was open houses. So I'd do four to five open houses a weekend. Um, And then during that was the weekend. So uh, I would use some time during the week to get those set up and stuff like that. Um, Right now, my focus is actually uh, prospecting to investors that own properties or, and this is outside of like, I, I see social media, like I continue to do social media and like, Hey, I'm out here grinding and having fun and like do selfies on Facebook and LinkedIn and all of those things. I see that as a very like passive, uh, you know, a passive way to do prospecting. So I don't, I'm not really counting that I'm counting more my office type stuff. Um, right now I'm calling owners of apartment buildings, owners of single family homes, owners of duplexes, um, and just trying to have conversations around what they own, you know, what their journey has looked like in real estate. And I've started to do that more because interest rates have gone up and I really need to understand uh, what a person's motivation might be. Because if it's just for a while, for my first four years in real estate, it was like, hey, have you thought about selling and and netting, you know, I didn't say this, but net netting a massive profit from when you 
bought it. Now it's not so much there needs to be like motivation of relocating or they they own these investment properties that were handed down to them or they're starting to become painful because the tenants that are in them um, or they have uh, debt coming up on, you know, maybe they had five-year debt on an apartment building or something like that. Um, that that debt is coming due pretty soon. So they it would make sense for them to sell it before they lock in a 8% interest rate. Um, and so a lot of it is is having those kind of conversations with people. I'm also prospecting um, commercial lenders. And for a long time, I would meet with a lot of mortgage lenders, you know, that would do more residential type sales. Now I'm meeting with um, commercial lenders too, just to sort of add to my Rolodex of, of, of people and understanding how commercial debt works and when that could make sense um, and and things like that. So that's kind of my the focus of my prospecting. And then I'm it, I'm pretty simple. Like I got my Excel spreadsheet up and when I have the conversation, I'm putting their name in, the property that I called on, any notes that they have, if they own other properties, um, if there's someone that I want to set a coffee meeting with in the future, and I just kind of pump through that. So I, I start to build out one, are they a seller? Would they sell? No, they're not a seller. Well, would you be open to buying? Cause I'm constantly looking for off market deals. So I, I kind of view every single person as, unless they're just like, Hey, pound sand and go away. I don't ever want to talk to you again. There's always usually some angle that you can take with people because they're either someone that has money to buy or, and they just want to buy stuff or, you know, they potentially would sell. So that's, that's how I'm doing it these days. A quick word on our toolbox. We know it can be overwhelming thinking about all of the systems you want to build into your business. And that is why we ask guests to submit their favorite checklist, template, or tracker so you don't have to build from the ground up. Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and click toolbox for your free access. Thanks so much. Where are you finding? I'm okay. Again, I'm listening yeah. and I'm like, oh, um, that makes sense. I kind of want to call people who are, it sounds like investors in one way, shape or form, they own property. Yep. Um, and where, where are you pulling that data? Yeah. And how are you figuring out what to target specifically? Yep. So I am pulling data from like in the, um, twin cities we use, it's called, it's, uh, Red X dialer, and then they help you scrape. I'm not super into the, um, I, I, we go to Mike Ferry conferences and then there's, we, um, jumped onto one of the, uh, dialers that they sell and, and one that scrapes. So it's able to scrape, uh, in the twin cities who owns investment properties. And then you can sort by single family duplexes, you know, if it's four families or less, or if it's more than that. So I'm just using, I'm just using like a paid service to, to do that. No, makes um, sense. And, and then Helpful. as far as the larger buildings, it's using something like CoStar or LoopNet or in Minnesota, MinCar. Um, and then you're actually able to, some of those place, and I don't know if it's CoStar's 500 bucks a month, but you're able to, you know, basically look at a property and look who the owner of the property is, or at least who's managing it. And then you're just making calls, trying to get the right person on the, on the phone. Um, so that's, 
that's a little bit of like the slower process is going through, you know, something on the commercial side, like CoStar and, and just selecting like, Hey, I know that property I'm sorting by 10 to 20 units and, and going that way. Okay. So you are going into Red X and you are identifying, um, based on that, you are able to search the criteria of the properties that you're looking for in the areas, all of that stuff Then it hones in and it scrapes by scrapes. It means like, you mean like pull the data. Is that yep, correct? Pull the data. Yep. It, okay, pulls cool. the da- it pulls the data from probably a thousand different sites and it's, it's basically determining who's the person that owns it. Is there a way for us to find the, you know, the phone number of that person, the email of that person? And sometimes the data is accurate and it's good. And then sometimes it, it isn't. Or another thing you can do is like in the city that I own some investment properties here, just in the north suburbs of the Twin Cities. Um, I reached out to the uh, the city of New Brighton and said, hey, do you have a list of people that own? Because I know you need a rental license in that area. Do you have a list of those people that own, have an open rental license? And sometimes cities will say, no, like I've done this with a few cities and sometimes they go, no, we're not willing to share that information. It's not public. And then sometimes it's like, oh yeah, here's the information. I then can take whatever they have, whatever information they give. It's probably the person's name, the person's address, the person's phone number, if it's on there or email, usually it's not email. Um, and then I can upload it into something like Red X, which is the dialer. Um, and from there, you know, it I can press start and then it's calling these people and uh, the address comes up when they answer the phone and I can say, hey, do you own that rental property there? Would you be interested in selling it at the right price or so on and so forth? You've read my mind. That was my next question. <laughs> I, could you walk us through, you know, how that conversation might go. So anyone listening might be able to duplicate your process. Yeah, so it's it's very simple and I've done more in-depth scripts, um, but it usually is just, hey, I, I, um, I apologize if I'm wrong, but are you the owner of this property? And then they usually go like, yeah, or no, I'm not. If they say no, then you know, I would ask, it's kind of like, you can't lose at that point. So you're like, do you know who the owner is? No. Okay. Um, if they are, then it would be, would you ever be interested in selling that property? And then they, and you kind of get them like just talking a little bit. Um, if they say, sorry, I, I also introduce, I'm Lars calling with Remax. Just curious if you'd be interested in selling that property. And then they might say, you know, I want to determine pretty quickly if they're like someone who just won't talk to me. Um, so if they kind of start to say, uh, I don't, you know, maybe how much or something like that, you know, then we're getting into, um, well, can I get just a few details on it? Um, and I'll try to set a meeting to go, to go see it or understand, you know, what the ownership looks like of it. And we just kind of get into a conversation there, but it's, it's super simple. So that the barrier to entry is just like, Hey, I see you own that property. Would you be interested? I, I don't want to waste your time, but would you be interested in selling it? And then we see what they say. How many calls do you think you have to make in order to get a yes? Do you know? You can guess, say, just guess. <laughs> I'd say 25 calls. 
Oh, that's um, actually really good. 20, to, not necessarily yes, meaning like, yeah, come list my property. Um, but for sure, like a yes, that's like, let's, you know, meet there or let's talk about it further or, um, yeah, I would, they, they maybe disclose a, a price. Cause oftentimes if they say I'd be open to selling it, you know, I'm never, what's the price. I'm never the one to disclose like what price I'm thinking. I may pull it up on my computer quick and kind of start to go like, Hey, are they, is this thing worth 300,000? And the guy goes, yeah, I'd sell it for seven fifty. You know, then it's just like, hey, you're not being, they're not being realistic. But if they, sometimes people are, you know, surprise you by going, well, if I could get 300 for it and you're like, that's a duplex in a pretty good area. Like, I bet it would list at 325. Like, yeah, I think 300 um, is definitely doable. Can we check it out? Or would you sell it at that price? You know, if I brought someone to you. Um, and so that's, those are, you know, the conversations that I'm counting as like, Yes. Or someone that's like, Hey, follow up with me in a couple of weeks. I'm out of town. Um, but I am open to this. You know, I, I'm counting that as a yes. I just heard this thing the other day. Um, there was a term for it and I can't remember it now, but it's basically this type of marketing where there people are like printing out screenshots of Zillow, like agents and just like, you know, giving it to sellers and being like, this is what Zillow says your home value is. What do you think? And if they think it's high or low, people like calm out, try, and it really just opens the conversation. And then it gives you an idea as an agent where that potential seller's head is at, because you do tend to play that game where it's like, well, what do you think I should get? Well, what do you think it's worth? Blah, blah, blah. But if you like get Zillow in there, yeah. <laughs> that's, I just, I heard that little snippet the other day and I was like, Hmm, that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah. Any, okay. any tricks, any tricks like that, or like you're doing a walkthrough of some people's house and it's more of like a, Hey, can you, we're thinking about selling our house and buying a house. Well, let's first have a meeting where we go meet over at their house. I, I make it super like not threatening where it's like, Hey, let's meet at your house. So I can just visually see it. I go into that doing a little bit of research where it's like, Hey, I, I have some idea of what this house could sell for. But then it's really just you're meeting there and you're going, have you guys looked at neighbors' houses and what they've sold for? Like, do you have an idea of what you think you'd? And and you can tell really quickly if it's like, we kind of think like 450 or somewhere around there. And it's it's a great feeling when it's like, yeah, they that's they're being very realistic. Like I was thinking 475. So if, if they're okay with the 450 mark, you know, um, we're going to, we're going to be right around there and we're not going to have a problem. Or if they say, Hey, I think my house is worth 500. And I was thinking 475 or 450 or something like that. Then we're, we're going to kind of table the talk on, um, I'll talk a little bit about mindset and how, yeah, we just want to make sure we're at a price that's a great market price so we don't scare anyone away. Um, but I kind of, I'll talk a little bit about mindset and, and pricing uh, mindset, but we won't get into the numbers because I'm going to then pull, you know, a comparable market analysis report after. So I don't want to put the pressure of a full listing appointment, you know, right away where we talk all the numbers. I want to try to organically get that number from them. There's and so it, much it, little it's like a cheat strategy. Code. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. And that's um, the strategy is, is what you learn from being around those other people in your, you know, in your office who are also high performers and also knocking out the reps and sharing and consistently learning and growing. And then also just learning and living because every time that you do something that doesn't work, you're like, probably don't want to do that again. Or if something like crushes, you're like, yes, I found another freaking shortcut. Totally. And then, it, and then it's the cool thing about having a team is, it, or being on a team where it's a culture of sharing with each other as you do that, or you're like, wow, I just created an awesome template for how I follow up with buyers that are, um, have kind of been tire kickers or are feeling really discouraged about losing out on their third home or something like that. Then it's like, save that in the notes and send it to the team. And so many other people are going to benefit from that and give their clients a better experience because they, you know, because they now have better expectations sort of thing. Real quick, as you likely know, the 2024 Real Estate Rockstars Mastermind is sold out. But if one of your preferred vendors is looking for marketing opportunities, we are looking for sponsors. We would love to get their name and business out to 80 highly motivated real estate agents from across the country. Know someone who'd be interested? Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and shoot us a quick email for more information. Thanks so much. Back to the show. You just hit on, you said the word templates. And so this is a great segue into my last little bit of questioning before we go to wrap up is what are the systems and templates that you guys use frequently in your business? So listeners can get an idea of like, oh, I didn't even think to have a template of that or a system around that and get the ideas flowing. Yes. So a good template is... um, when I sit down with buyers, I view the buyer consultation as like, that's my time to have it not be a big rush. We go through the whole listing presentation. I, it's a simple 10 page PowerPoint where it's like, find your house, get on an MLS search, um, or sorry, get connected with the lender, choose your realtor. So this is a, that's a time for me to go like, I'm going to set great expectations for exactly what they should expect throughout the whole process. It's also during that time that I may set the expectation. The market is totally different now, but for a while it was like, hey, we're talking about it's normal to pay twenty to $50,000 over the asking price. Like we're ripping off some of those Band-Aids in that first one. Then what we do is we'll leave that, uh, I'll give, I always give the same few things like, hey, I'm gonna get you connected to the lender. We'll get you on a North Star MLS search. Um, I'm going to send you this app that we use. You can use that as another resource. And I might give one other, depending on if they're an investor, not one other item. Um, And then from there, I have a like the same follow-up template that we always use when I do that buyer consultation where it kind of highlights everything we talked about and what's needed from them and sets great expectations. And we also get connected on like a a text group following that um, where it's me, someone on the team uh, that may be helping show them properties and the two buyers and then another one that's me, my assistant and them. Um, So we kind of just get everything like that's a big day, the buyer consultation, because if that day goes great and they have all the expectations, then, you know, we're set up to have a great uh, search. Another one is um, when someone gets, you know, 
gets the accepted offer, then we send out a big template. And I didn't always do this, but that highlights, you know, accepted offer to closing day. Um, just for my analytical people out there that are like, they just, they just need a list of everything. Um, because I kept getting questions on, Hey, once we get through the inspection, I know you mentioned the appraisal happens. Um, when does title come in? You know, these buzzwords that they had heard in our consultation. So we just get that. Um, there's also the, Hey, we're thinking about writing an offer, but we're unsure about the price or terms. So I have a template in my notes that is, um, explaining, you know, price. Maybe we want to talk about an escalation clause. Then we're talking about closing day, how to make that attractive. These are all things that we covered in the consultation, but now it's just a big, massive text where it's highlighting the six most important things. Cause then I may jump on a phone call with them and we go, Hey, thanks so much for that list. Um, these are the terms we're thinking about and they're ready to be super competitive because I already laid out for them for closing day. We want to be, you know, uh, we want to choose what the sellers want for the closing day. Earnest money, if we increase that above the normal 1%, we look we look more attractive. If instead of a seven-day inspection period, we have a two-day inspection period with a cap on what we can ask for. Um, so, so that's a super important template. And then, yeah, the list kind of goes on. So any response that I ever do to someone like, you know, except for if it's a super... Um, the situation super specific. It's usually something that I've texted before, and then I can look at my notes and um, have a better response for them than the one minute response I maybe would give between appointments or something like that. It's a copy and paste. I'm so with you. I love templates. I also love that you do a recap email. I think that that is so important, and I feel like it's commonly overlooked. But after an appointment, whether it be Zoom or in person, consolidating the notes and creating a summary of like, okay, this is the timeline for expectations. Your homework is this. My homework is this. The admin's homework is this. This yeah. is the timeline in which to expect. And like, it makes life so much easier on all parties because you're yeah. totally right. The, the, you know, analytical or not even analytical person can just print it and stick it on their fridge and be like, okay, this is where we're at. The process. Yeah. <laughs> um, something, I don't know this. I recently found this out and just sharing. Um, I don't know if you do this, but all of the template responses for like, on emails and or on texts or Instagram or whatever. If you're using Chrome, there's this thing called magical AI. And whenever you are like, you can, you can put all of your templates, all of the copy paste templates into magical AI with little trigger words. So let's just say like recap email, you would just do like dash recap and then hit enter and your entire thing will auto populate. Like, wow. boom. And you can even set it so it's like name, you know what I mean? So like in the template, so then it pulls the name from your computer, from your email, from the Instagram, for wherever. And so it's like, hey, Lars, boom. And it's free and I'm obsessed. So if you haven't heard of Magical AI, I if and if you use Chrome, you have to use Chrome for it. I highly recommend checking it out. And I wish I had some sort of like affiliate code, but it's, I mean, it's free, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is awesome. That's great. I will... uh I'm not super techie, but that's like, uh, you know, like I'll leave, uh, and, and some, if anyone's listening to this, I'm happy to send over any templates. One that I've used a lot lately is that I, I didn't do a great job is if I go 
if I do like, hey, we're thinking about selling our home and I go to that home, I then, as soon as I leave, I leave a voice message for my assistant that, hey, this is what I saw. This is what we talked about. This is what they're thinking for price. Um, pull up the, you know, the this comparable market analysis email with net proceeds. And I kind of give, all, I know there's like five bullet points that I need to give her to start to fill out that email. And it has, hey, as we're talking about staging, here's the um, stager, we'll make it connect. Like it just has everything. And then if I'm able to leave a voicemail for her super quick, it triggers that it, it triggers that email. And then if I get back to the office in an hour and I'm sending that within a couple hours, um, you, you start to make it really easy on yourself because you're, you're so on the spot with what you talked about and, and setting expectations. And it's almost like they're working with you without ever agreeing to work with you because you're just right into it. Hey, we're sending over the initial documents to get started so we can get started on this stuff. And and something that you sent us, thank you so much, is a tool for the toolbox. Um, Lars is providing us with the buyer offer accepted checklist that he and his organization use. So go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and click toolbox so you can access it for free. But also Lars, people are listening to this and they're like, dude, I need more of that guy in my life. Where is he? How do I find him? Um, my Instagram handle is larcy.anderson. Larcy with a Y. I think Lars.Anderson was taken. And then on Facebook, you can just look up Lars Anderson and the Twin Cities. And I think I should pop up or Perfect. look me up and, on Zillow. And all of his links will be in the show notes if you do, if you're driving, whatever, can't pull it up right now. And Lars, any anything else that you want to share that we didn't go over? Um, I think the, like, I'm very... As time has gone on, I have been like, hey, if people aren't finding success or even looking at my own life of like, what are some things I can just go back to if it's like, man, why do I feel the way I do? Or why is there a lack of motivation? Um, and it goes back to like, when am I waking up? Am I working out? Do I have a scheduled day or have I got lax on like, you know, how, how my day is scheduled? Um, and am I running my days by emotions or by like a strategy that I previously created? Um, and it, those things sound really simple, but it's like, you know, or if I'm in a bad, bad mood or something like that, it's like, have I taken time to be grateful today? So I like to just ask myself little questions like that. And I began to get better at, um, asking people that I'm surrounded with those simple questions. So I think that just is, um, big, especially for realtors right now, because it's not, it's not so simple when rates are going up and we're having a lot of tough conversations and there's not as many transactions happening, uh, countrywide and stuff like that. So just, um, yeah, stay, stay true to those things. Words of wisdom. And if you're listening out there, you have referrals for twin cities, Minnesota and the surrounding areas. Lars is your man. Find him again on Instagram at larzy.anderson. Did I screw that up? Nope, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> larzy.anderson. Send him all the business in the world. Or maybe you're there and you're like, wow, he sounds like my type of people. I'm looking for a team in an environment just like that. Go talk to him. He's the man. And if you want to hang out with the owner of the show, it is Aaron Amuchastegi on the gram. Super cool dude. 
Send him all the love in the world and hang out with me too at The Shelby Show on Instagram. I want to know what we could be doing better, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to learn about and who you want to learn from. So at The Shelby Show for that. And otherwise, Lars, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.